Chit Chat Money is brought to you by Interactive Brokers, but we like to call them by their ticker symbol, IBKR. Designed for active traders and sophisticated investors, Interactive Brokers offers trading assets in 150 markets with 27 different currencies, charges USD margin loan rates from 5.83% to 6.83%, rated the lowest among margin fees, the ability to trade stocks, bonds, options, futures, commodities, and more with high interest rates paid on instantly available cash balances, and the ability to lend your eligible stock shares to earn passive income, all on one single unified platform. Restrictions may apply. For more information, visit ibkr.com, member SIPC. Open an account with IBKR today. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome into Chit Chat Money. My name is Brett Schaefer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Henderson. Today is our Tuesday not-so-deep-dive episode where we analyze one stock going through its business model, ownership, financials, future growth opportunities, and more. After learning to listening to this episode, we hope you get a better perspective on the company. If you are new or haven't signed up for our free newsletter that goes along with each episode on our Tuesday Not-So-Deep Dives, we would recommend signing up for that. Uh, the link is in the show notes, and it will give you all our actual notes that we're doing for this episode. We'll have a lot of charts in there. We'll have a lot of comparisons, a lot of links for further reading, and it is free. So it's going to come out Tuesday, the same time that this podcast is coming out. Go sign up. It's through Substack. And today we are talking Dollar Tree, which owns both Dollar Tree and Family Dollar. We're continuing on the discount retailer slash dollar store theme. Last week, we covered Dollar General. If you didn't listen to that and you're listening to this episode, I'd recommend listening to that one as well. But a little context here as we get into the episode. Last week, when we talked about Dollar General, we were we were a little, let's say, pessimistic or worried about the management team. And that was some interesting timing because a week later, Dollar General decided to fire their CEO so and bring back the person that was the CEO from, I believe, 2016 to 2021 or early 2022. So Ryan, I guess for anyone that listened to the Dollar General episode, they're probably interested in our thoughts there. What do you think about Dollar General's move? It seems, I don't know. I guess it seems interesting just in that they they brought back the CEO who was already there. It kind of feels like Disney where they, it wasn't really the new CEO's like fault, I guess. Like, I don't think the new management team was there long enough to have like this horrible impact on the business. Like, I think a lot of these problems were lingering. It would have been there no matter who was in charge, but from the board's perspective, they probably just felt like a change needed to be made and there wasn't as much confidence from the investor community. So bringing back Vasos or Vasos, maybe it 
I mean, it seemed to instill belief because the stock was up 8% the day of, and then I think it came back a little bit, but I would be surprised if it had that big, if it made that big of a difference, but I could be wrong. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it felt like a lot of the problems weren't necessarily linked to bad management decisions. Right. Like we didn't like this new management team and basically the way they talked about their strategy and a bunch of platitudes. However, they probably got an unfair shake here where it's just a few quarters of bad stuff that was outside of their control. But let's move on. We're covering not Dollar General today, but their biggest competitor or their biggest direct competitor, Dollar Tree. And Ryan, I'll let you go through the history here and what the business does because they have interesting roots and the basically how they combined with Family Dollar is going to give some good context for the listeners today. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start with the history this time. For those of you that regularly listen to the show, it usually goes with the business model and then the history, but there's some important context that you can get from the history here. So I figure it's a better place to start. So Dollar Tree's roots really date back to the 1950s. There was a gentleman named K.R. Perry who opened a Ben Franklin variety store in Norfolk, Virginia. I got to say, there's well, I can only think of two right now, but there's a good list of entrepreneurs that started out as Ben Franklin operators and then moved out. Sam Walton's one. This K.R. Perry gentleman is one. I believe a lot of the discount retailers, like you can trace some part of their history back to a Ben Franklin variety store at some point. But um, hey, that's a good back test right there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting so, though. It's interesting for sure. Yeah, maybe it's just the longest standing variety store or whatever. But he, he, this K.R. Perry gentleman would eventually rename the store K and K Five and Ten. And about two decades later, Perry and two others would expand the concept of this from this K and K brand by launching a new mall-based store toy store concept. So it's called K and K Toys. That concept specifically was pretty successful. And I'll I'll foreshadow here. The history is kind of sparse. Like there's changes that happen where it's not necessarily that clear why they happened, but basically they rebranded a couple of times or just open new banner stores. And so the KK toy store was successful, reached 130 stores, all mall-based. And then in 1986, they decided to launch a new banner called Only One Dollar. And as you can imagine, everything in the store was only one dollar or less, and they continued to grow basically both of these banners simultaneously until about early 1990s. They sold the K and K toy stores to I don't know if it was a, I think it's called KB Toys was the company. It was owned by a larger corporation, but from there, the focus was solely on the dollar stores. And the name was changed to Dollar Tree in 1993 with the idea that they may someday need to change to a multi-price strategy. Kind of interesting because we're we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. That's been a part of the evolution. Um, I'm sure they could have done it. Maybe, they, maybe it would have been a little misleading to do that under the banner only $1, but Dollar Tree has stuck since. And this was around the early 1990s. So two years later, 1995, under the Dollar Tree name, the company went public, valued at $225 million market cap. And once they went public, they started to, 
really they launched this aggressive growth strategy, which was both organic growth. So they were launching or opening 150 stores a year, but they were also acquiring other dollar store concepts all around the country. And typically it was cash offers. So they were taking on some debt to do it, but it was kind of like small bites over and over. And so they did this for, I'd say 13 years as a public company, they were kind of taking these small bites, actually more like 20 years. Um, By 2008, the company had surpassed 3,000 stores. They officially broke into the Fortune 500. It was quite a large store or quite a large company at that time. But come 2015, they enter into a really transformative deal to buy Family Dollar for just over $9 billion in a mix of cash and stock. All the acquisitions prior to this, they were small. They were basically these bolt-on acquisitions, re-banner the stores, reformat them a little bit, make them Dollar Tree locations, try to get them in maybe a discount as opposed to launching that many stores organically. But this one was huge. Uh, at the time, Family Dollar had 8,200 locations, and they that was actually larger than Dollar Tree itself in terms of store locations. And Family Dollar had actually received a higher bid from Dollar General. And interestingly enough, the CEO at that time during the bidding was Rick Drayling, who we'll talk about is the now CEO of Dollar Tree. They rejected the higher bid from Dollar General, went with Dollar Tree. And they've really, since that time, they've kind of failed to recognize the synergies that they originally claimed. And they've been pretty much unable to get operating margins up for the family dollar business. You can go back to the Value Investors Club write-up. Brett was mentioning this to me before the show. There's a 2017 write-up that talks about basically Dollar Tree stable. They're going to family dollars operating margins are going to grow. Both are going to um, or operating margins are going to expand, and both are going to grow comp store sales. It's been the same sort of thesis, I'd say, for the last seven years since the acquisition, and it really hasn't materialized. However, I will say there's still hope, and a couple of things have happened in the last couple of years that are important to the thesis here. So for starters, under Mike Watinsky's leadership, who was the previous CEO, Dollar Tree finally made the decision to, quote, break the buck. So most of the items in the Dollar Tree store used to be $1 or less. It was, it was you know, in the name and that was kind of their, their roots back to the only dollar concept. However, when they broke the buck, they decided to raise those items to $1.25, which has really opened the door for other high-priced offerings as well. So we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. There's the Dollar Tree Plus concept, which has allowed them to kind of move into higher price tiers. And then secondly, right after breaking the buck, they fired Ratinsky and brought in Rick Drayling, who was, I think, executive chairman at the time as the CEO. So the guy who from 2008 to 2015 revitalized Dollar General, architected the modern Dollar General that we see today, and tried to make a bid for Family Dollar is now at the helm managing Family Dollar, which is kind of in a similar situation to where Dollar General was in 2008. Anything else to add there, Brett? What do you think about the raising to $1.25? Because they make this seem like a big deal, but I think they just lacked any sort of courage to do this because it clearly didn't have that big of an impact. And with inflation over the last few decades, they were going to have to do it eventually. 
So I, I don't get it. I think it's probably good that they did it, but I don't, I don't see why they made it such a big deal. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to do it eventually. Yeah. Either you, either you trade down in terms of the items or assortment that you're offering to customers or you sell things for a loss, which isn't sustainable. So yeah, I think they were just scared. Yeah. They felt very inevitable. scared to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Inevitable. There was a lot of lashback from customers. So maybe that was the worry and they fired the CEO after, but it felt like they were like, someone's got to do it. Okay. The CEO did it. And then they're like, don't worry, we got rid of them, but we're keeping the dollar twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is that now, whenever they need to raise prices due to inflation, they'll be able to without hopefully as much pushback. Yeah, agreed. Let's let's talk about who Dollar Tree is today. So Dollar Tree is as an enterprise combined, it's one of the largest discount retailers in the US by store count. And like I said, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's a combination of two banners. So Dollar Tree and Family Dollar. And then there's some Dollar Tree locations in Canada, but it's really quite small. But in total, the company has 16 and a half thousand stores. And it's a basically a 50-50 split between Dollar Tree stores and Family Dollars. Let's talk about Dollar Tree first. So Unlike Dollar General, who we looked at last week, Dollar Tree has more of an urban presence and it's more focused on the treasure hunt style experience. So more than 50% of the items sold at Dollar Tree are discretionary things, stuff like toys, greeting cards, arts and craft supplies, where Dollar General is mostly consumables. So Dollar Tree is actually able to command higher gross margins than consumables-based businesses. So they have, I think last year they had 37% gross margins. It's ranged kind of in the mid-30s. And so that's really allowed them to have ultimately higher operating margins than you you might think of Dollar General and Dollar Tree and Family Dollar all as similar concepts, but they're they're really not. Dollar Tree is offering very much a different experience. The stores are also a little larger. Uh, Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, for anyone confused, just think less food at Dollar Tree. That's kind of the little mental thing I like to think about. Yeah. It's almost more like a five below. I, I, I'd say it, it feels like it competes more with a five below where it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it, it's less somewhat, it's stuff but, you don't necessarily need. Yeah, somewhat. But they do have like five below doesn't have any food. So some of the items are right. You know, I think half of them are at least consumables. Yeah. So they still offer the food, but it's just less food where Family Dollar and Dollar General, they're more of a convenience store. Family Dollar, as you just mentioned, is more of a direct competitor to Dollar General. They are slightly smaller store formats than Dollar Tree, and they operate primarily in suburban areas. So um, I think I think you might well, have got, got that mixed, confused. But yeah, they said I think you might have got mixed up from the 10K because they said Dollar Tree is suburban and then Family Dollars urban rural. But either way, like they're um, a lot of them are rural. I'll have a map for. Oh, sorry, else. sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. not. I, I mean, you just flipped it. Family Family Dollars are more rural base. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, suburban was the wrong word there. It's more rural areas, smaller towns, similar to the Dollar General concept. Almost 80% of the items sold in the stores are consumables, which is very similar to Dollar General. 
and they generate significantly lower gross margins, 24% uh, last year, and generally it's been in the 20% range. They have really failed to consistently generate profits. There's no, it's hard to, it's hard to see why specifically there's this massive gap between them and Dollar General in terms of operating margins. Some of it may have maybe on the supply chain side of things. So only 70% of family dollars uh, merchandise are supplied by distribution centers owned by Dollar Tree. The rest is third-party distributors. Maybe that's more expensive than Dollar Tree's supply chain. They also, Dollar General, sorry, I'm mixing up Dollar Tree and Dollar General. Dollar General has higher sales per square foot than Family Dollar. It seems like there's just been general mismanagement of Family Dollar over the years, or maybe a, a failure to really optimize the the, the store base. Um, but we can talk about that in a little bit. There's Unlike Dollar Tree, there's no promise of items being a dollar or dollar twenty-five. It's simply cheap goods, typically in the range of one to ten dollars. So, and and like I mentioned, a little more food and consumables. But it's really when you look at the two businesses, I thought maybe there'd be some synergies, but it's really two different models, and they feel like they're serving two different needs. Um, but they are doing some things to try to bridge the gap in terms of the two different. Style. So they're opening opening things called combo stores, which have you seen these, Brett? I have. I saw at least a picture. I haven't seen them in person, but they seem interesting. Maybe we're the wrong, we're not shopping at these places, but I, I don't know if these brands are that relevant where they're like, oh, Dollar Tree, I know exactly what that is. Oh, Family Dollar, I know exactly what that is. Isn't it just people think, okay, it's a dollar store? Yeah. It's a cheap, it's a store with cheap items. Yeah. It's kind of, it feels like a weird concept to me, but they said they've been getting good returns on it. It's basically, it's a store where it's got both banners outside. So it's family dollar and dollar store. Think about it like maybe people have seen these, but maybe what's the one? Like it's A and W always mix and match. Yeah. Uh, the, um, you know what I'm talking about? the Yum Brands ones, Taco Bell, KFC, or Taco yeah. Bell Pizza Hut, or KFC Pizza Hut. Yeah. They do those combos. It kind of looks like that. Um, but the goal of these is to combine family dollars, cheap consumables with some of the select Dollar Tree merchandise and kind of cross sell, I guess, if you want to call it that. The second sort of revamp here is what they call H2 stores. This is really just meant to be revamp store layouts for family dollar. We've linked to the investor day presentation, uh, or we will link to it on our Substack write up, but Basically, they go through all the different things they're trying to do to expand and improve the sales per square foot. They're, first of all, trying to actually make the stores look a little nicer. There's been a lot of complaints around family dollars quality. Um, but they're also including more freezer space, higher shelves, and they're saying that these H2 stores are uh, improving the unit economics at the, the family dollar locations. Third thing they're doing, I talked a little bit about this, but Dollar Tree Plus. This is the same old Dollar Tree stores, but they're taking a portion or a per part of the layout and dedicating it to $3 to $5 items instead of the traditional dollar and 25 cents. This has apparently created a big boost in comp sales. It's a lot like it's like high, slightly higher quality items and then also a little more bulk items. So instead of buying like a single ice cream sandwich for $1.25, you can buy 
five ice cream sandwiches for like three dollars, and they're they're still generating. Well, they're improving the comp sales. They said people that shop and buy in the Dollar Tree Plus category spend two point two times as much on average uh, compared to typical shoppers. So it's uh, it seems to be having positive benefit in terms of uh, comp sales. And then the last thing I'll mention here, they're rolling out dual banner distribution centers. So Previously, their distribution centers have been dedicated to one banner or the other, but they're now working on a distribution center in Florida that would be designed to distribute to both. I'm not sure about the intricacies here. I'm not sure about how much harder it is to like retro, not retrofit, but change the routes coming out of a distribution center. But this is kind of the synergies they talked about when they announced the deal where they said that they expect $300 million in annual run rate savings. This is hopefully some of those type of synergies that they're going to see. And so it's hard to judge this on a going basis. You kind of just have to follow the operating margins of both companies and and, or the enterprise as a whole and hope they start to trend upwards. Here, I, I, I attached management's estimates for both businesses. But basically, the goal here is that family dollar eventually by 2026 gets to 5% operating margins and then Dollar Tree gets to 14 or 15% operating margins. Family Dollar is always going to be a lower margin business. That's just a part of really their value proposition to consumers. Um, But I think that just about covers both the businesses. I'll ask you a question right now and maybe it'll get into your competition segment. Do you... Having now looked at both, do you think there's any structural advantage that Dollar General has over Family Dollar? I I don't think so. I, maybe they're more rural. And if that's the case, then they could have the geographic advantage. But a lot of Family Dollars are in spots that are, they're the core really low cost provider for these very, very cheap items for the lower income shopper. So I don't think there's a just an inherent competitive advantage here outside of execution. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I kind of had a hard time differentiating between the two, just looking at it as an investor. Maybe the shopping experience is slightly different, but it seems like they offer a lot of the same items. It's name brand stuff. It's not that many uh kpis kpis no skus yeah yeah not that many skus and it seems like the prices are kind of they've been they've made a point about this they're trying to make family dollars prices more similar to dollar generals they they want to bring it down to price and parity. Cheaper. yeah yeah they're d- yeah. discounting prices and that's some of the concern dollar general had is that they're worried that shoppers have switched or at least investors are just because of this price being so important I would reference here when Ryan mentioned those long-term targets for operating margins, they currently are just under 6% on a consolidated basis. All right, let's move to industry and competition. Kind of an interesting one, but I would say a lot of the numbers are going to be similar to the dollar general discussion from last week. But hopefully after looking at both, we can get a better grip on the dynamics facing the entire sector at the moment. So if you look at Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, they are the second scaled player in the dollar store space. Really, the only two other big players, Dollar General. And if you look at other competitors, yes, Dollar General is competing, or excuse me, 
Dollar Tree is competing with a lot of knickknack stores, a lot of individual dollar stores. Think about how many of those are out there. There's a lot of smaller, you know, mid-level chains. There's a lot of individual dollar stores. It's not too hard to run. And then Family Dollar is competing with Dollar General, but with a lot of other convenience stores in small towns. And as per the last episode, Dollar General claimed, at least with some old management teams, that they had a very large addressable market for all of discount retail that could be probably pushing a trillion dollars right now. But that includes the likes of Walmart, CVS, the gas stations, and you know, in the middle of a big city that clearly don't overlap with them. So they have a pretty large addressable market with these rural targets with at least with Dollar Tree, it kind of has an even bigger one because they're going after that. Uh maybe a little, you know, the shoppers with slightly higher incomes that are going for the Dollar Tree to find gifts and little knickknacks and stuff like that. But it is not nearly as large as I think you could get persuaded by by that investor presentation. And if we look at the sales comparison, Dollar Tree, Family Dollar combined did $28 billion in 2022 sales versus $37.8 billion for Dollar General. So similar size businesses. And then an important note for the competitive landscape, I want to hit this again, Dollar Tree, as we talked about, a little higher income consumer in more suburban areas. So they're not going to be in rural areas at all. And then Dollar General is almost entirely in rural areas and small cities. So I think towns with that 20,000 population or less, I think it was what, 80%, right? And then Family Dollar operates in these rural areas as well, but with an urban focus. I would go to a big city in the South, look up Family Dollar, you'll find some store locations there. Now, uh, how much do Family Dollar and Dollar General overlap? I'd say definitely in some places, but not entirely. So for the smaller towns, it is uneconomical for a Family Dollar to say, okay, let's build a store here when Dollar General already has a location and vice versa. So if Family Dollar has a location in a town of 20,000 people or less, or maybe even 10,000 people, Dollar General is not going to go in there and say, hey, let's go into this market, build a Dollar General, and then we're both going to screw each other below or at least in the in uh not investor presentation the sub stack i came up with two google maps screenshots for basically the same area of mississippi which i really misspelled there uh, one has the family dollar locations and one has the dollar general locations if you look at it which i can just describe here you have a couple of more sizable towns in here and in those more sizable towns, there's a couple of family dollars and a couple of dollar generals, which clearly compete with each other. But if you look at the tiny towns, when there's a family dollar, they're not going to have any dollar generals in there because, again, that would both just drive each other out of business. Now, what do you think about that, where they have somewhat of a competitive overlap, but not maybe entirely? Because people have that, that do that big map of the United States. I've seen investors throw that out where... They have family dollars and then dollar generals, and it shows all the dots overlapping. I don't think that's really indicative because if that family dollar is 20 miles from the dollar general, that's not competing with each other. Yeah, it's inter it's interesting because if you really zoom out, you think they're all in the same location, but you're right. I mean, I don't think there's room for two of these in the same town of 10,000 people, both of them would just go out of business. Yeah. So, so I think it makes sense. The, and the, also the combo stores that they talked about are in towns of like 3000 or even 4,000 people. So it's really 
really small towns, at least the combo stores. Right. They're not afraid to go smaller. And what's interesting is Dollar Tree is not afraid to go into bigger areas. Like, for example, we live in the suburbs of Seattle. There are Dollar Trees, not too many, but, you know, they're spread out around here. And I think that's interesting as well that they have even a bigger um, addressable market than Dollar General would. Excuse me, would. Now, let's move to management and ownership. The CEO is Rick Dreeling, as Ryan mentioned. He was the CEO at Dollar General during its heyday or recent heyday to that from 2008 to 2015, which is why he is uh, is why the board brought him on to, you know, they wanted him to come over. Now, here's a discussion question I have, because clearly Dollar General performed well, stock did well. I believe it outperformed the market while he was there. Are you worried that he and the team that came over with him that I'll mention uh, shortly? just benefited a bit from macro tailwinds since he took over at an optimal time starting in 2008. Potentially. I mean, that success carried carried through past 2008, though. You know, it's not just True. like they did have accelerated comp sales during the financial crisis, but he was successful from 2010 to 2015 as well. It seems like there were also... I mean, maybe it was just the fact that people were trading down during the financial crisis, but it seems like there were some structural improvements made as well. He really expanded margins at the business. That might have been just from the environment, but I think there were probably some changes made as well. And he, you know, going through that investor day, it seems like he has a blueprint for for knowing what works and knowing what changes need to be made. And it's like, it's little things like the type of cart you use to pack items from the truck to the shelves and a bunch of those, like he lays them all out. It makes just the fact that he has all these already in mind tells me that there was some actually like, like he had some management prowess that really helped the business. Yeah. There seems to be about eight to 10 big items that are very long hanging fruit that they can just execute on over the next couple of years. And well, they have to execute on it but they're there and they can probably go after it. Yeah, I think it's the macro environment definitely helped them, but it's just something to consider. And it probably wasn't all just entirely the macro environment. Now, if you look at the other executives on here, a lot of them uh, came over from Dollar General to Dollar Tree. So the CFO joined in October, 2022, although he was actually from Curate Retail, the CIO, which is the chief information officer, worked with Drailing at Dollar General, same with the merchandising officer that's at Family Dollar, as well as the merchandising officer at Dollar Tree and the supply chain officer. So I think essentially he said, look, all the back office functions, all the logistics, all of that stuff, I want my team that succeeded with that over at Dollar General. I think it's important that those are those specific people because you have the IT, the merchandising officers, and the supply chain officer all from Dollar General back when he was there. So essentially, you got the boy, the boys back together to try to fix this thing, which I thought was interesting. Uh, if we look at the recent proxy, they lay out Drayling's executive compensation right in the opening letter for everyone to read. I have the full quote for the newsletter, but essentially, they said <clears throat> they approved a five-year employment agreement, granted him an option to purchase over to about 2.25 million shares of Dollar Tree common stock and an exercise price of $157. Today, let me get the exact price. We are at about $107, so significantly higher. 
So he only gets those right if the price is above that. Uh, this was basically, hopefully, to give him really strong compensation there because he's going to be a very rich man if he can succeed in turning around this business. And the second one here I have for the executive compensation is that in 2023, the compensation committee uh, changed the annual bonuses by adding total revenue weighted to 40% and adjusted operating income weighted to 60% for the annual bonus targets, as opposed to in 2022, when it was solely on adjusted operating income. Now, they're not perfect on these, as most companies aren't, but I think that was a solid change. And you want that balance of profitability and growth, although I, I would like it not to be adjusted, but it's not as bad as Dollar General's was. Yeah, I think in general, I'd say this is a pretty solid proxy from or incentives from what we've looked at in the past, where he's not just getting paid regardless of performance. In this case, the thesis for investors is Rick Draylin's coming in, he's going to turn around the company. Rick Draylin gets paid if he turns around the company. So I think yeah. it aligns. Yep. And then I would note from an ownership perspective, the activist who called for management changes here called Mantle Ridge still owns around 6% of the stock and Capital World Investors owns 9.2%. Uh, Mantle Ridge has a seat on the board. Don't know if it's a big deal, but something to note. But let's go move into earnings. What do the financials look like here, Ryan, uh, for Dollar Tree currently? So over the last 12 months, just for context, Brett already mentioned it, but they did $29 billion in, in revenue. In the most recent quarter, they saw 7.8% positive comp store sales at Dollar Tree. All of that is from increased traffic, which I thought was a positive. The year before, it kind of came off of higher prices because of the breaking the buck thing, but it, now they're they're seeing a bounce back in traffic as well. There was 5.8% comp store sales at Family Dollar, driven by a blend of, I think it was like 3% increased traffic and two and a half of average ticket. So, I, I mean, I think that's solid, especially when you look at that relative to Dollar General's results, which during the same period is minus basically flat. So they are taking share. Um, the margins are tightening though. So Part of this is out of their control, but part of it looks like it's been much needed investments that the management team is finally deciding to make. So with gross margins, they attributed it to a number of things. So first of all, a little bit more of a mix shift towards the consumables. There was elevated shrink, which um, is the term for damaged goods, theft, basically inventory items that are lost before they're able to get sold. Uh Higher expenses at distribution centers, lower markups in general, and then higher freight costs. So gross margins decreased by basically two percentage points year over year. SGNA or sales general and administrative increased as a percentage of revenue as well, due to, and this is a quote directly from the press release, the most recent quarterly press release, due to wage investments in store and field payroll, higher incentive compensation, investments in repairs and maintenance to improve store standards, higher professional fees, elevated general liability insurance claims, and higher utilities expenses related to un unseasonably high temperatures. Basically, most of those items, I would say, come from them. Basically, <laughs> they've underinvested. 
and the new management team is stepping in and seems to be making a lot of changes. You can see it. They they lay out how many stores they basically revamped every quarter. And it feels a little bit to me like Target around the 2015, 2016 timeframe, where they kind of hurt margins in the short term, but they started to revamp a lot of these stores and really change the branding. It was very successful for the company. So maybe it can end up like that. But in total, trailing 12-month operating income was $1.8 billion. Trailing 12-month net income was $1.2 billion. Like I said, margins have tightened. So a lot of the profitability figures look really bad year over year. I think it was down like 40% operating income year over year. But basically, we just have to get to an assumption on what do we think they can earn in a steady state. And we can talk about that later on. But I would say their historical average is probably in the well, it's been mostly Dollar Tree and family dollars been lagging. But if they're doing 14% at Dollar Tree and 5% at family dollar, I think there's a blended margin there of eight to nine percent potentially. Um, we can talk yeah. about whether or not we think that'll be realized, but let's let's hit the balance sheet really quick. Really conservative balance sheet, I'd say. So um $500 million in cash with, like I said, $1.8 billion in operating income over the last 12 months. Long-term debt, they only have $3.4 billion. However, there's a lot of operating lease liabilities, so they lease all their stores. So you're going to see a bigger net debt position. It's just whether you include operating lease liabilities as a financial debt obligation. I've excluded it for these purposes because it's, I mean... You're paying that lease over time, so it's like it's included in the operating income. If that makes sense, right? It's 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 like include. It's strange. It, I see arguments on both sides there, but it's it's strange that if you're looking at it, if you're going to include that. Why don't you include the employees' expenses, right? Because you can get rid of these without having to pay all of them. Yeah, and I, I mean it's above the EBIT line. So, like, if you're looking at EBIT, it's already been included there, right? I, I mean, it's a lease expense. It's it's really an operating expense cost of doing business. So net, like I would say when you're looking at the leverage ratios, net debt to EBIT or net debt to operating income, there's you'd be double counting it if you put the, the lease obligations in the net debt as well there. So uh, to me, I just excluded it. But like I said, simple balance sheet here, $3.4 billion in long-term debt, most of it's due after 2028. Average interest rate, weighted average is 3.7%, so really low. And they raised a lot of debt over the last two years at really low rates, so kudos to them. But basically, net debt to operating income ratio is 1.6 times. Uh, honestly, I think they probably could have increased it a little bit, um, but they issued a decent amount at a pretty good time, so not going to knock them for it. Yep. Basically, nothing to worry about on the balance sheet side of things. Yeah, and none of it's due soon, which is nice because they're coming into, as we'll talk about towards the end of the show here, a big three to four years of reinvestment, big capital expenditures. But we'll get to that. Let me talk valuation quickly. You know, like with Dollar General, I'm really going to take just the Dollar Tree family dollar operations, apply some blended operating margin assumption, assumptions and see where the valuation would look like, or not the valuation, but see what the earnings multiple would look like. And I'm going to use an EV to operating income multiple. 
And I went from 5% to 8%, basically, for their margins on a trailing 12-month basis. I just assumed $30 billion in revenue because they're probably going to get there on a trailing basis fairly shortly. So if we have a blended operating margin of 5%, which would mean more margin compression, which could happen maybe in the short run, but I think is pretty pessimistic for this blended uh, company, your op- your EV to operating income would be 178 Now, if we go up to that 8% that Mar- Ryan mentioned, as po- you know, if things like are like they were in the past and family dollar improves a bit, 8% margin would equate to 11.1, which seems pretty cheap, right? Especially if they can grow consistently. But I think the key here, just given that they're spending more or selling items for a little bit less, so gross margins are coming down a tad, and are spending more on their operating expenses, we need comp sales to be consistently, I mean, not explosively high, like 15% or anything, but consistently strong. Is that kind of the big thing? I think the biggest thing here, and they talk about it, which I thought was great, is that they consistently need to have comp sales driving higher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, I can't remember the three levers he talks about, but it he says, we want to expand the sales footage. So the um, not only the sales per square foot, but the available selling square footage. So combining those two, and it's not just going to come from price increases, part of it's like ticket mix or or trying to get new items to be sold as well. I I think he did a good job of that in between 08 and 2015. And really, really, he's, he's driving the exact same kind of formula here, it looks like. Let's do anecdotal evidence, though. You got anything? I got nothing. There's Dollar Tree by me. I didn't really have time to go to it. But I don't... I mean, I don't know how much that would help. Uh, I, I don't have any experience here. Don't don't shop at any of these places. Yeah, I'd say, honestly, I can probably distort people's views sometimes to just go to them and be like, oh, go to one people this one time of the day in this one location. It doesn't really right. mean anything. Um no, I don't. I don't really have any takeaways. I don't go to a Family Dollar. I don't. I can't think of any that are near me. It from looking through the investor day, and I know they just want to give you the highlights. It feels like they're making a lot of the right steps, yeah. and you pro- people probably would have said that in 2017 when the thesis was the exact same for Family Dollar, but. It feels like they can just bridge, they can close that gap with Dollar General in terms of sales per square foot. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a good setup having Dre lean in here. Yeah, I agree. All right. Future growth opportunities. Ryan, what do you got? Well, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Sorry, I didn't read it beforehand, but go ahead. Yeah, just closing the gap on sales per square foot with Dollar General. I just talked about it, but. Part of it comes from new layouts. Part of it comes from supply chain improvements, continuing to ensure a higher product quality. It, it, I, I have no advice here because I'm not in the industry. I We usually try to come up with like new growth avenues, but this is really, I would say, what the investment thesis hinges on. Dollar Tree feels like a sure thing. You know, you're going to get steady, probably 10% operating margins, maybe a little lower, but um, Mid thirties, ten percent, good comp sales. It's a differentiated concept, whereas Family Dollar is kind of a direct competitor with Dollar General, and the operating margins are uncertain. So, 
I think the closer they can get to closing that gap with Dollar General, the more likely investors are to benefit here. Yeah, and I will say I'll come. I have a few devil's advocates for Dollar Tree. I want to talk about during the low light section, but I agree that's two separate kind of competitive landscapes there. And I'll talk about mine, which is investing into the stores. So the bad news is that Family Dollar and possibly a bit with Dollar Tree, but you know, Family Dollar clearly were underinvested in for many years. But the good news is that this new team can now reinvest into the those existing stores and hopefully get solid returns on these investments. Uh, I would say as a note, there are a lot of interesting slides from that 100-page presentation they did back on June. We will try to put some of the good ones uh, for the newsletter, pull some of those good slides and put them in the newsletter and hopefully make some comparisons with Dollar General as best we can. I'll definitely be doing the the sales per square foot for Family Dollar versus Dollar General. And if we look at this uh, slide deck we have here, they plan to invest and well, this is kind of what they're hoping. They're hoping to generate $10 billion in cumulative uh, operating cash flow in fiscal 24 to fiscal 26, so a three-year time frame. And they're planning to spend $6.5 billion on capital expenditures. So they're investing a lot, but the, the, the big question is what return can they get on this investment? Can they drive comp sales higher with significant, uh, with steady gross margins and earn you know, better operating margins like we talked about? Highlights and lowlights, Ryan, what do you think here? It, it's interesting because they're somewhat simple businesses, so it's hard to come up with a lot of thoughts here, but w- what are your thoughts? Well, I really think that if, if you could pick anyone to run Family Dollar from its current position, you'd probably pick Rick Drayling because he took over a Dollar General when it was in a similar position. I think maybe it had, it was probably right around the same store count actually, but like a lot of the same problems, margins had been depressed and he was able to kind of revitalize the business with what, well, uh, a good operating environment, but also seems like some uh, structural changes that helped the business for really the next decade. I think he's the right guy for the job. and. He probably knows how to counter position against Dollar General the best of anyone out there um, because he was the guy on the other side of the table for the longest time. Dollar Tree for me is another highlight. I mean, it just looks like a solid business kind of through the cycle. I would say over the last, as, as a public company, Dollar Tree itself has done a good job consistently generating earnings and growing over time. And even though it's going to have some ebbs and flows, it it's a pretty sound concept and they seem to generate pretty good returns on new stores. So solid there. And then I would think, this is my other highlight, I would think family dollar is fixable. Like there's gotta be ways to boost those margins. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see any reason why these businesses are that different. The two units, family dollar and dollar general, from a customer perspective, I mean, maybe there's slight differences because of the urban stuff, but yeah, I think if they run it correctly, you should have at least somewhat similar margins and they seem like to have extremely similar store layouts. So besides the fact that Dollar General has more of a rural focus, 
I don't know if there's any big difference. No. It also seems like they're they're investing in the hard stuff. Like it, it, they're making some of the changes that are much needed, even though it might not seem it might feel like a lag on margins in the short term. It's this stuff that's really gonna benefit the business in the long run. Low lights, though, I'm not sure I buy the synergies. These combo stores, uh, I don't get it. The <laughs> are people really going to like? Oh, there's the there's the Dollar Tree. Uh, like, I gotta stop there. And it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's people that are like that, but I wouldn't yeah, think they're like that. I, I would think they're pretty interchangeable. Like, if I saw a Dollar General, sorry, or you mean a Dollar Tree versus Family Dollar? No, I mean, if I saw like a Dollar General or I saw a Family Dollar, I'd be like, whatever, it's a dollar Uh-oh. store. Even Dollar yeah. Tree, to be honest. I mean, maybe it's because I'm not really the shopper there, but I think like they're all pretty similar. I don't know if why you need both banners. Probably just kind of confuses people. But yeah, I don't know. The other low lights for me is I worry that they've over-earned for a while as a whole. Like, Margins During wise, pandemic. like maybe they they are going to earn structurally lower margins for the next five years. I mean, talk about the Timu competition, which we kind of hopefully debunked for people for Dollar General might be more of a competition for Dollar Tree. Yeah, that was, that's part of my devil's advocate argument for them. Yeah, that's a good one too, because they're, I mean, Timu, it's a lot more crap you don't need which seems like it kind of overlaps well with dollar tree yep but that's what this economy is driven on so (laughs) maybe there's room for both uh my highlights clearly the management as well make me much more confident than they do with dollar general although we talked about that that management team has shifted within a week which was funny timing and they they brought over the people from dollar general they're really focused on actually improving things instead of talking in platitudes like the, the dollar general management seemed to do I also like that this business has a long reinvestment runway. I think over the next 10 years, they can easily spend probably $15 billion on both store renovations, supply chain renovations, and growing their stores. I think that's that, that's got to be a good thing. And now, what are the returns on that investment going to be? It's probably a tougher question, but the reinvestment runway is there. And I think that's a big highlight for myself. And then Dollar Tree... I think seems to be fairly insulated from physical retail competition. I don't see why that landscape would change and I might even improve as they get this business cooking a little bit better. Low lights, I wonder if Dollar Tree and, and Family Dollar locations that are not rural, which again, they do have rural focus, but some more are, are urban than Dollar General. I wonder if they're more susceptible to competition from online. And larger places. Uh, the rural focus, you know, is a big highlight as the moat for Dollar General. And I think that's largely, you know, the, the geography, I, I buy that, the geography driven moat. Here, it's less of a factor. And that concerns me a bit. Uh, we also talked about being more risk at Dollar, Gen- uh, Dollar Tree from competition in general. I also think that this is one where the thesis has remained the same forever. Let me read some of the highlights from the Value Investor Club write up. So, Dollar, the overview, 
Dollar Tree is structurally well positioned to grow same store sales in new locations over the coming years. We expect Dollar Tree banners to grow at four to five percent, four to five percent, comps to grow two percent, margins to remain flat at twelve and a half percent. We forecast Family Dollar banners to grow at four to five percent a year, comps at two percent, and margins to expand from three and a half percent to seven percent. They talk about short-term headwinds from food deflation and reduction in SNAP benefits. Ring a bell. <laughs> and then they talk about improving the square uh the sales per square foot at family dollar versus dollar general and again this write-up was in 2017 and if and i remember correctly flat from here yeah and if i remember correctly their target was 2020 seven dollars in earnings per share it's 2023 and they're at seven dollars in earnings per share so took about twice the time they were expecting right now and there's been some margin compression, but yeah, now that could be an opportunity. Yeah. As, as we'll talk about, uh, maybe let's get to the bull case. You know, Ryan, the bull case is the $10 earnings per share. So maybe you want to talk about that for why the stock could work from here. Yeah. Management laid it out. They expect, or they want to hit $10 in earnings per share by 2026. I think a lot of that's going to come down to, well, just overall margin improvement, but actually starting to see some consistent earnings out of the family dollar banner. But if you assume a 20 times earnings multiple, which is that that's actually in line with their four-year average, they tend to trade at around 20 times earnings. If you assume 20 times on $10 EPS in 2026, it's a $200 stock. That's a 20% IRR from today's prices in three years. It seems achievable. That, that and that's a good bull case. I mean, that's pretty good returns. The, it, the stock definitely can work if they execute, which is good. Part of me nice. just thinks, okay, we talked about this before we hit record. The it's like that Scuttleburb post. We, we Scuttleburb. It's kind of a popular blog for those that don't know. He wrote up a piece on Dollar General, and at one point in the article, he just goes. You know what? I bought some shares. I can't help it. I'm a sucker for a fallen angel. I think if we look out over the last 30 years between Dollar General and Dollar Tree, their margins are higher than what they're currently generating, both of them. If you think they can get back to that, which it seems reasonable for both of them to do that, these are both good investments. Yeah. And they're both like, they both have just like a, a massive store footprint and they're they both serve a valuable customer niche so mm-hmm. i don't know i think the bookcase is pretty pretty clear in, yeah, in it's that. clear it's clear yeah. i don't know I, I my confidence level is not high on it i wouldn't say i'm super confident what's your hiccup <laughs> i think that Dollar General succeeded because fam for a partially because Family Dollar was run so poorly, and if Family Dollar is run a, bunch, a lot better, I don't know. I think that could hurt Dollar General. I also don't know if Family Dollar is that fixable. Maybe there is some really bad things they talked about, like a rodent infestation at one of their supply chain things. They could have to invest a ton of money here and not get that much in return. Yeah, that that was funny. Distribute. It cost them like sixty-five million. 
Yeah. Because they had 400 of their stores shut down because the yeah. distribution center couldn't service it. Could be yeah. a long way here. Their IT investments and stuff like that might need to be just a large investment here. There's that CapEx but, line might be elevated yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah they might fair. need to take on some debt. It's going to have higher interest rates. Um, I, I mean, I see how it can work, but I just don't like how the margins are such a big question here and the fact that it's a heavy CapEx business. So, those are just two low lights. I'd rather, I wish it was, I like capital light businesses a bit more when I'm worried a bit about the terminal growth and stuff like that. And I don't, I'm still not really sold on the competitive landscape. Okay. Let's, outside of, again, the, outside of the rural stuff. Uh, okay. I think that lays out a good bear case. Let's yeah, phrase yeah. the new question like this Are you more or less interested in? Dollar Tree, or I should say this. Are you more interested in Dollar Tree or Dollar General? I like Dollar Tree more. It's close-ish, but I like Dollar Tree more. Specifically, specifically the management and the fact that they there's a lot easier they have a, lot, uh, a lot of easier things that they can do to win or just to to improve their business. Yeah. What do you think? I. I think that's fair the it's just i've grown to appreciate that margins will probably just be where they've been for 30 years right and for dollar general they're under earning now i think there's a reasonable case that Dollar General could get back to the same operating margins they've had on average for the last 30 years. And if they do that, it's more attractive than Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree, they have more, they haven't necessarily proven it at the family dollar banner. Like it's a turnaround yeah. story. Yeah, I can buy that. I like both. I don't love both. I, I see a lot of other things I would buy over these things, but. I think that sums up. I like them. I don't love them. Okay. Stock for next week. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we're playing on it a little further. Uh, the dollar store to the north, we're talking Dollarama. Apparently, mm -hmm. it's the, the Dollar General of Canada, if you want to call it that. We'll see. We'll we'll look at some of the analogies. But um, that, one sh that one should be entertaining. They've had an easier go of it in terms of results yeah. over the last decade or not easier go of it. They've had better performance. Yeah. I think stock has beat both, but we'll, we'll confirm next week when we do our research. All right. As a reminder, if you want the show notes, charts, links to everything else, subscribe to the newsletter. We got a lot of people doing that lately, which is great. And remember it's free. If you like the episode, give us a review on Spotify or Apple. That's the best way you can support this show as all of our stuff is just a free podcast. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. We are general partners at Arch Capital and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time.